Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Lorene from 10 years now would be screaming at <laughs> the current Lorene saying, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you look into this? And then my reason to her would be, uh, no one told me about it. Meet Lorene. She's 22, working her first job in a London bank. And she's all at sea when it comes to what to do with her newfound salary. Despite all the financial advice that I'm reading about, the blogs, the podcasts, your book, of course, I just still feel a bit overwhelmed and paralysed with choice as in regards to what to do with my money, when I do get that monthly income, I'm like, this is the first time I'm earning quite a lot and I generally don't know what to do despite all the advice out there and I wonder if I need a wealth manager. Laureen has been doing her own research into wealth managers and financial advisors. We'll come on to the difference shortly. But after chatting to a couple she liked the look of, she realised that choosing the right one isn't as easy as it first seemed. I knew I wanted one. But I kind of, I next didn't know how to manage that relationship or know what to ask of them. So, stumped for what to do next, Lorene got in touch with Money Clinic with a clear mission in mind. I don't usually walk past wealth managers, so where are you and where can I find you? Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's consumer editor. Financial advisors, wealth managers and financial planners – What do they actually all do? And how do you know if you need one? In today's episode, we'll be discussing where to get professional financial support from an expert and exactly how they might help you. And we have two of my favourite experts in the FT studio today. Moira O'Neill, who's a personal finance expert and FT columnist. You might know her better on Instagram as Moira on Money. Good morning. Hello, Claire. And we have Sally Hickey, who is a chief reporter at FT Advisor, which is our specialist publication for financial advisors. Welcome to the show, Sally. Thank you for having me. Well, Moira and Sally will be sharing their insider tips on the world of financial advice, planning and wealth management in just a moment. But first, let's hear more from Lorene. As I mentioned, she's 22. She's landed a big job at a bank. How much is she earning? Can I be completely honest? Of course. (laughs) Oh, great. Uh, So I am on 49k and that's only by being in the bank for six, seven months. Wow. Yeah. And, and are you entitled to get a bonus as well on top yes. of that? So in April this year, I did get a nice bonus. And and what about your workplace? Are they offering any sort of financial guidance to you as a young employee on a graduate scheme? 
So irony is I do work in a financial institution, but my knowledge on personal finance is very limited. And I don't know if it's even to do with the culture of where I work. Like everyone earns loads of money, but we can't talk about it, ironically. (laughs) So it's almost like I'm always curious as to what my manager's managers doing with their money or what they would say to us if they were grads and on our salary. Well, you're on a really good starting salary, but tell me about your financial upbringing, Lorene. Did you expect to be earning this much at such a young age? I think just growing up, like I live in the council flat, I'm still at home with my parents. And right now, I actually earn more than my parents. So that's incredible. And because of that, I'm just so like I'm conscious of my money story and where I come from. And for me to be someone, the first in my generation to be earning this much and also knowing the potential to earn more. Sometimes I'm in modes where I do need to seriously save because I'm like, I don't want to lose it all. <laughs> okay, I've got you. So why have you been thinking that you need a financial advisor to help you? What, what do you feel you need their help to do? I'm thinking if these wealth managers usually deal with large clients or people with loads of salary, what is it that they know that they're not telling the everyday people? Like, they're not in everyday conversation. Like, so then that, that must mean that I'm not entitled to this service. But then for those who say that, oh, they offer the services with no minimums. Okay, that's great. But you're going to need to help me out here because I'm like, I'm probably your youngest client. Yeah. So what does that mean for me? Yeah, what does that mean for me? What should I be thinking about now so that when I'm in my 40s and fi- or 50s, I'm not, I'm not having regrets? Yeah. Are you aware of the sort of basic difference between a wealth manager, a financial advisor and a financial planner? Or a financial coach? No, I'm not. <laughs> All of these terms. Um, no, I think I need to do some research and dig in on what the difference is. So what kind of questions do you have about finding an advisor that you'd like me to um, put to the experts? Ooh, biggest thing, fees. Um, there's no such thing as free lunch. So surely the advice they're giving me or what they're recommending, there's a fee attached to that. I don't know where that fee comes from or like, yeah, so what will I be charged for engaging in this service? That's the biggest thing I want to know. Okay, anything else? Secondly, I would love to know at this age, at 22, what are some short-term, medium-term and long-term goals I should be thinking about with my money? Okay, and finally? Ooh, finally, what are the different types of advisors that I should be aware of and what are the pros and cons of each, I guess? So we've heard from Lorene there, who, may I just say, is quite possibly my favourite guest we've ever had on Money Clinic so far. Just so on top of things in a way that I think even she perhaps doesn't realise. But now it's time for the experts to answer her very sensible questions. So, Moira, tell me your first impressions of Lorene. I mean, isn't it great that she wants to educate herself about money? Definitely. And Lorene is asking all the right questions um, about um, what she should get from, from a financial advisor. She's expressing a bit of scepticism about fees, about the service that she's actually going to receive. Bravo, I say. Yes, hooray. 
And um, what I would also like her to be asking herself is, why do I think I can't do this by myself? Okay, well, we'll come back to that later. But Sally, by normal standards, Loreen is very young to be considering taking formal financial advice. Now, you write for an audience of financial advisors. Do their clients tend to be older and richer than Loreen? Yes, they do. I think the biggest thing is the older you get, the more complex your financial situation is. So Mm -hmm. you'll potentially have a mortgage, you'll maybe have dependents, and the big one is retirement. So pensions, especially in the UK, are such a complex product uh, that you really do need advice for it. So I would say a lot of a lot of advisors' clients are older. On on the other side of that, advice can be quite expensive. So if you are Lorene's age and, and you don't have a complex situation, I don't know what her kind of debt situation looks like you don't necessarily need to pay for it at this point. It might be too expensive for you, so there might be a better way to, to go about it. I think something that is important to pick up in uh, what I what a lot of IFAs say is that a lot of people will go to get financial advice at the point they need it. So something will happen to them. They'll get divorced, they'll have a bereavement, they'll have something that changes their financial situation. And they'll go, oh my goodness, there's so much admin. I don't know what to do with it. I need help. That is not the best time to get advice. The best time to start thinking about this, as Lorene is doing, is, is you know, fix the roof when the sun is shining, to get plans in place now. So I think the fact that she's thinking about it at this age is fantastic. And I would urge everyone in their early 20s to start thinking about and just get your head around what your finances look like. OK, we're going to get into the meaty part of today's podcast now. With Sally and Moira's help, we're going to dissect the various layers of the financial advice market, from money coaches to algorithm-powered robo-managers to fully regulated investment advice, tell you what they're qualified to advise you about, and of course, what you'd expect to pay for these services. Well, we'll start with the cheapest and move up to the most expensive. So, Sally, at the bottom rung of the ladder, we have money coaches. Now, this is a fairly recent phenomenon, the money coach. Some banks are offering money coaching as a free service to their customers, but there are all kinds of people popping up online who offer this too. What exactly is it? So a coach uh, will talk you through your financial goals. They'll help you understand your finances. They'll work with you to write a financial plan um, and talk you through, you know, what are your aims for your finances? What do you hope to achieve? Um, it's important to stress that this is not a regulated activity. No. So you should not be taking any specific investment advice from a money coach. They shouldn't be telling you invest in this stock, invest in this fund. Um, the cost varies hugely. As you say, Claire, some some banks do it for free. Um, it's worth asking if your company, if she works for a financial company, her company might offer this service to you. Mm. So it's worth looking internally. Um, the cost varies hugely. I did a bit of kind of Googling about this oh, and it can you. be anything from £25 a month. It can be up to £150 an hour. I think given Laureen was really sceptical about fees, it's, it's completely uh, acceptable to say upfront before you've decided to go with the coach, what are your fees? How will I pay? And what exactly what services do you offer? And then you can compare and contrast. Okay, well, we come on a little bit more to what they do. But sticking at the low cost end of the market, if you're a customer of many investment platforms and you open a SIP or a Stocks and Shares ISA, but you don't quite feel confident enough to select investments to go in it, many platforms have come up with digital solutions. They'll either use a questionnaire to work out your risk appetite or even sell you 
a financial advice session that you can do online or over the phone. Moira, what could that cover and how much might it cost? I mean, if you're doing a free questionnaire on on a website, it should be part of the the service. But, you know, robo-advisors usually um, package their fees into the percentage charge that they have for the investments. So it's sort of wrapped up in one service. And, um, yeah, just watch out for percentage fees because they can seem like tiny amounts of money going out. One, two percent or less. It could seem like very little. But over, you know, she's 20, um, over the next 30 years, they could compound up into a, a massive amount. And of course, there are lots of investment platforms now which are offering the bolt-on um, of speaking to an advisor. Nutmeg is one, Hargreaves, Lansdowne is another. But in most cases, these kinds of advice services are, are restricted because obviously the platforms can only tell you to invest in things that you can buy via their websites. But Moira, the term financial planner and financial advisor, they're not exactly the same thing, are they? We've had both appear as guests on the podcast, but what, what's the difference? Okay, so um, the regulated term is either restricted or independent financial advisor. Now, the people who operate as financial advisors can do different types of exams that, that back back up their their knowledge and their work. And one set, of, well, there's two sets of exams, which are the financial planning exams. One is you end up being a certified financial planner and one you end up being a chartered financial planner. They've got nothing to do with the regulatory background, but they do indicate a really good um, sort of set of skills. And financial planning is usually looking at the whole picture of everything that you, you own and uh, working out a cash flow plan to see uh, how long your money is going to last, what might happen if the stock market dips, what might happen if inflation goes up, um, and planning that out over your lifetime, sort of projecting into the future to see, um, well, if you're in your 20s, you're investing enough now to have enough at retirement, or if you're later in life, if your money's going to last until you're 90 or 100. So never mind Lorene in 10 years' time, a financial planner could help her consider Lorene in... 50 years' time. Exactly, yes. It's like projecting into the future. And they use a range of tools, I mean, some of which you can find, you know, similar types of things which are there for consumers online now, which can help you project into the future. But I think it's a great skill, a financial planner, to really grasp what the scenario, how the scenarios of your money could could play out in future. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sort of think, you know, what happens if I, I leave my big city job at 30 and, and do something different as and earn many a bit less do. money yes which is you know or what happens if i got a mega promotion at 40 you know <laughs> this kind of thing can be modeled into that financial plan mm. but then when it comes to a financial advisor how is that different from from a planner when it comes to the qualification a financial advisor has to pass certain exams which are set by the financial regulator and pass them and become regulated, which means they have to um, have all sorts of things in place. They have to run their business properly. They have to be overseen by it. And they also have to have insurance and that kind of thing. So that you have to pass through lots of hurdles. And, and, you know, it's just very important. You are protected if you're with an independent financial advisor in a way that you you aren't with somebody who is calling themselves a, a coach or a planner and doesn't have regulation. 
So in the case of something going wrong with your money, you have recourse. You know, if the business goes bust or the financial advisor disappears into thin air, you have you can go to the the regulator and and get help. And often in these cases, the, the financial advisor will be managing your investments on your behalf, whether they're in ISAs or um, held within a self-invested personal pension, and they will take their fees as a percentage of your assets. And Sally, that's why so many of them probably wouldn't be interested in Loreen right now. They have a minimum of what, say, £100,000 of, of investable wealth? That is the figure that, that is bandied around. Having said that, we I do talk, I talk to financial advisors probably most days, and a surprising number at the moment are saying, you know what, although we wouldn't take her on as a client, we are looking to a younger generation. Mm. And advisors are really keen to tap into this market. And they're also keen to tap into younger people who perhaps won't need advice now, but in 10 years can say, well, I've had a couple of chats with this person who works here. They seem... We seem to get on pretty well. I'd like to then use them as a client in 10 years' time. Now, Loreen specifically asked about a wealth manager. Now, I thought that was really interesting because obviously she's 22. A salary of nearly 50k and a bonus to her is unimaginable wealth. But to a lot of wealth managers, would this be enough for them to take her on? I mean, you may have heard of the term Henry's and Henriettas, high earners, but not rich yet. And it certainly sounds like some of the wealth managers she has approached have, have at least given her given her time of day, had an appointment with her. What, what do you both think? Wealth managers, I would say, tend to be attached to family offices. So this is when you've got a big dynasty of a family. There's a lot of money there. A wealth manager will be incorporated into a family office that will also do tax planning and inheritance and all this kind For of stuff. For the whole family. For the whole family. So this can be 50 members of the family. And the more money you have, the more complex and difficult it gets. So what I would say with a wealth manager is they tend to, their purpose tends to be to maintain wealth that's already been accrued. Right. So I would say specifically for Lorene, potentially it's it's not the way that she goes down. I don't know whether she meant wealth manager as in someone to help her manage her wealth, which could be a coach, a planner, an advisor. I would say a wealth manager probably isn't going to be interested in, in anyone who's got less than 250,000. Um, but um, she might find lots of um, financial advice firms actually call themselves wealth managers. And maybe that's what she's found when she's done her research because they all call themselves quite grand names sometimes when really what they're offering is the standard advice um, from a financial advisor. Mm, no, I think there's I think there's a lot in that. Now, where should people go to try and find somebody, regardless of what type um, of advisor they are, that's right for their needs? What would you both advise? Well, there are some great um, financial advice sort of search um, websites out there. One is Vouched For, which will help you find um, a financial advisor that's uh, local to you, that comes highly recommended or is in the area that you want to go in. You can even search for a female financial advisor if that's what you prefer. Mm. Um, but, you know, you could always ask family and friends because people like to get recommendations from people they trust because they, that's a recommendation on the personality and the potential chemistry you'll have with the person. But I would say meet with three at least and those first initial meetings should be free. And then you can choose the person who you think is going to add most value to you and who you have the most chemistry with. And uh, Lorene should ask all her awkward questions that she she's, she's already um, put together fantastic questions uh, and say things like, you know, 
what's what's your investment philosophy? How are you going to add value? What are you going to do for me that I couldn't do myself? That kind of thing to really get an understanding of the service you're going to get for the money. Good and, questions and ask, to ask about what the fees are too. Well, of course, Sally. What would you add to that? I yeah, I think um, word of mouth definitely. I think about between seventy and eighty percent of of IFAs are found through word of mouth. What I would also say is don't be embarrassed. You know, don't be embarrassed that you don't know anything. We don't have lots of financial education yeah, in the that's UK. That's why you need advice. Exactly. <laughs> and if you're thinking, you know, it's always not nice going into a meeting and think, oh, I don't know anything. But ask those questions. That's what they're there for. And I would say the biggest thing is if you have a burning question, if you don't understand something, it's your money. You're going to be paying for the service. Ask those, ask the stupid questions now. Because as Loreen has, has incredibly intelligently figured out in 20 years, she's going to be really grateful she asks those questions now. Well, finally, Loreen's had some introductory meetings with financial professionals already. And one of them asked that classic question, what are your financial goals? And at the age of 22, this rather stumped her. I mean, what are the kind of goals, short-term, medium-term, long-term, that the two of you think somebody like Loreen should be considering? Well, first of all, she should have an emergency savings fund. Big tick. Which, yeah, which is you know six, six months of salary in case she lost a job or there's some family emergency, etc. And then secondly, she probably wants to get together a deposit to buy her first property um, and think about getting the mortgage on that. So, you know, ways to save for that. And then longer term, she may be thinking about, you know, supporting a family. If she chooses to have children, how she would do that. Um, maybe have a bit of a fund to pay for nursery fees or whatever happens. Um, and then even longer term, which things which you have to start thinking about at 21, 22 is retirement mm. and, and how you're going to, to fund that and what that retirement ideally might look like. It's quite hard for a 22-year-old to think about retirement. And that's why a financial advisor might come in handy because they can help her picture it and sort of help her think about, you know, she'll see the experience of her own parents. They might, whether they're worrying or not worrying about retirement, and that might help her think differently. Mm. Now, Sally, when it comes to financial goals, Products are often something that financial advisors can can tell us about. Ways of doing things in the most tax efficient way. How could that tie in with the kind of goals that Moira talked about? Something I would say on the fifty k band, it's important to know what your tax rates are because there's a funny quirk in the UK system that sometimes you can get paid one thousand pounds more a year and be pushed into a higher tax band, so actually pay more money. And things like this, the good way to get out of that is start to contribute more to your pension so you bring your salary down. These things are quite complex to understand. There's also things like your ISA, which you have a £20,000 limit, so you can invest tax-free. You can either leave that in cash or you can put it in a stocks and shares ISA and you can start to invest that. These are really, really, really good ways to invest your money and that's what a financial advisor would say. The first thing is, are you taking full advantage of all these tax breaks that the UK government is offering you. To add to that with with Lorene's goals, she mentioned she was she was worried about blowing it all and it seems like she's quite nervous about this money that she has. Mm. I think something she should be thinking about is is setting aside a bit to enjoy. Mm. Live a little. Exactly. Enjoy the money that you've got, but it's all about balance, Moira, isn't isn't it? Making a plan where you can say this is what I can safely spend and I'm doing really well saving for my 
short-term, medium-term, long-term goals and making the most of this fantastic opportunity. Definitely. I mean, the holy grail of financial planning is to uh, spend as much as you possibly can, save as much as you possibly can and end up on your deathbed with zero. So you've balanced (laughs) both of them perfectly. Now, I've yet to to meet a financial advisor who's given me an example of a client where he's done exactly that for them. But this is the kind of goal that you can work together to try and maximise the pleasure you get from your money and also the security that your money can give you your future. Well, thanks very much to Moira O'Neill and Sally Hickey. And that's it for Money Clinic with me, Claire Barrett, this week. And we hope you like what you've heard. If you did, spread the word and please leave us a review. We're always looking to chat with people about their money issues for the show. If you're interested in being part of a future episode and want some expert money advice, then please email us. Our address, money at ft.com. You could also take a peek at our website, ft.com slash money, grab a copy of the FT Weekend newspaper, or follow me on Instagram. I'm at Claire B. And Moira is at Moira on Money. Money Clinic was produced in London by Persis Love. Our sound engineer is Jake Fielding, and our editor is Manuela Saragossa. You heard original tunes this week by Metaphor Music. And finally, our usual disclaimer, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. And after listening to today's episode, I think you'll know a lot more about where best to find one. That's the small print for now. See you back here next week. Goodbye. <laughs>